back. Um, how you been, man? I've been doing great. Um, been- I'm, I'm, we're almost done with the evaluation period. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just about to get very chill. Like there's not going to be a lot of pressure now. The the classrooms for the classes are going like down. So there's not that many students anymore um, because there is like this vacation period that they have, at least in the um, like teaching styles that we have right now um, in Mexico. So yeah, that's really good though. Uh, every day I feel a lot more uh, regenerated with a lot more energy and life. It's just, it's a really weird process. <laughs> the closer to the end, I feel more alive. Um, I'm more like willing to, I don't know, start like reading a bunch of other stuff and, so on. And you, man? How are you? We're pretty good. I'm pretty excited. I they finally um, allowed people like in my working work area uh, to get the vaccine. So Excellent. yeah, so I registered. I just have to wait for them to email me back and book an appointment. Yeah, which one are you getting? Um, well, I'm hoping the Pfizer one. Like that's what I, that's what I've been wanting to get. But um, okay. right, like is that the American one or like the Russian that's one? That's the German one. The German one, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but like most of the ones that are available right now are the um, AstraZeneca. Um, so that doubt I might like if that's what they offer me, I'll have to get that. But yeah, I'm hoping for the Pfizer. All right, let's hope you do some. Um, I saw an announcement made by the government a couple of days ago yeah. about certain dates that they have in mind to start uh, applying the vaccines on teachers. Um, in the state that I am in, yeah. we are going to be enlisted for vaccines on 19 of May to, I think, like, you get, like, the arm, like, your arms hurt and like you get yeah. decent stuff. Um, that's what I've heard. Like I've heard is pretty much the same type of um, side effects that you get. Um, some of them are like the flu. Did you ever get the flu shot here? Uh, I guess I did though. When I arrived to Canada, the first thing that, that they did is um, besides yeah. asking me for my papers, they, they threw me into a room and started poking me with needles. <laughs> and I was like, no. This was not what they promised. <laughs> no, but I guess they actually vaccinated me for a lot of things. Um, I, I have no idea what the, what's exactly, though, but um, they, yeah, they vaccinated me for a lot of things. But you know what was funny, though? It was this old lady who vaccinated me. So in the first attempt, she actually didn't get uh, veins well, so she had to poke me like three times, and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> but yeah, I got vaccinated. I remember that I did. I don't remember for what, actually. But yeah, let's hope that this vaccine thing gets as uh, popular as possible. And then as soon as possible, everybody gets vaccinated. Um, there's still a lot of rumors on the variants. What do you know about those things? Uh, well, right now, like since the last time we talked, um, I told you they were locking stuff down. And yeah. this is what I was saying back then, that the government, they did a really shitty job and never planned it out because every week since the last time we talked like there has been more restrictions so they keep yeah. adding and adding and adding um 
and like it's mainly because of that one variant um, from Brazil, but now um, uh, there's another variant from India that's going around, and that one, like it's pretty strong. Um, he, he, here in Mexico, we got in the state of Guanajuato, yeah. we got already 41 cases with uh, different, yeah, yeah, I don't know, it's just yeah. crazy. Um, just watch that everyone gets vaccinated, but then the variants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how about no? <laughs> <laughs> and they send us back. Yeah, um, it looks yeah, like um, it looks like it's going to stick around um, for good. Um, yeah, kind of like other um, flus. Yeah, but you you know what? What's intense? And uh, now that you say that, that I actually agree though. Like these people that say like, "Yo, the, the pandemic is gonna end," I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like this thing is yeah, appearing to be so incredibly like. Um, how do you say that? It, it is very capable of modifying itself, right? Like it evolves really, really fast and it changes. And once we, we go vaccinated for something, now we have to get vaccinated for something else or, or perhaps like get prepared for something else. And that's very worrying because it's a race that we have against nature, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and here, like, like in the first two waves we did, pretty good uh, for the most part but right now this third wave is mostly variants um there's a like a natural panic this time which annoys me because you had like a full year to prepare right of course yeah but like you know that, that that's a case of, of the whole world though like the issue with the panic is not so much that they're not preparing is that they don't have enough people to prepare you know what i mean like for example right now i'm looking at um hospitals and I'm looking at universities of um, students of medicine and I'm like dude I, I think it's about time. like I don't know over there though but like here in Mexico once you graduate from medicine you have to get you have to do like a year of social service and you have to do like a year of yeah. th that would be the best thing to do because you get you, you will get a, like a lot of doctors new doctors and well we have to then uh, put a little bit of trust on our educational system and be like, well, they prepare them for that, right? Like, that's the career that you chose, so good luck. It's like the army, you know? Like, I honestly think that um, if we are going to win this or at least be able to compete with that, we're going to have to start being a little bit more uh, pragmatical, right? A little bit more like, yo, this is what we need right now. Uh, we have to really put aside all the bureaucratic and like foolish kind of systems that we have established because they're understandable in times of peace. You know what I mean? But I honestly think that in the case in like in medicine, at least in the case that we are right now, it's, it should be like a medicine on types of war, meaning like all the schools should prepare for that. They, they, like they should change a little bit the curriculum and start like teaching kids a lot more about like combating pandemics and sending them, sending them forward. Like, like the army, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I, <laughs> You send your kid to school in like a hazmat suit with like the <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like you're getting ready. Uh, how, how long does the army yeah. training takes? Uh, do you oh, know? Yeah. Like the army? Yeah. W w when you're in war, I know that you recruit like the, the. I think I think three months. Yeah, like you get the three months of pandemic readiness and just go. 
be like, come on, man, we do it on times of war. Like, we should really think like that on this case because we're battling Mother Nature and Mother Nature has experience on us. Like, he has thousands and thousands of years of developing messed up viruses and stuff. Yeah, like, um, that's something, they did something like that in Italy. Remember when they had all those, um, and they were overwhelmed. Um, so they had to get students uh, that were studying medicine they had to bring them in and they basically got instructed on site. So yeah, honestly, and like, I'll be honest, if, if you actually serve like that and you go through the pandemic and you put a fight every, every day you were waking up and it's like, let's look at the statistics. Things cannot get worse. And then yeah. just like, Oh, wow. I actually read something that upset me a little bit as a very religious person. Um, I read some comments on Elon Musk you obviously follow Elon Musk, right? Like, you know about him. Yeah. yeah. Do you like the guy? Um, and be careful with that answer, though. <laughs> yeah. That will define our friendship. <laughs> um, okay, so what do you think about Elon Musk? <laughs> generally, I like him. Um, I, like, I like his ideas. Um, even, I don't know, most people, I think, um, see him as geeky inventor type that's like really cool and really rich. Yeah. Uh, I think he has good ideas. You know, he's obviously pretty smart i've heard him um on several podcasts already and um like his job is to get people excited about something even if it even if the end result it's not gonna be what people hope for and this is this is the reason why i asked about him like i've been looking up some of his uh same like interviews and podcasts and stuff and i think he's kind of like this tony stark figure you know like he's yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I honestly will tell you this, and this is one thing that worries me a little bit, and this is my little bit like a Pentecostal side, and you will see what I mean. <laughs> uh, he seems like this, the embodiment of the 21st century perfection of a man. And, and, and allow me to explain what that means, right? Like, he is nerdy, but he doesn't look nerdy. He is cool, but he's nerdy enough. Right? Yeah. He knows a lot of technological issues, but he's very awesome. Like he does really random things and, and stuff. Yeah. There are rumors that he uh, went out with like Amber Hart and like with Carla Levine and stuff. Yeah, I remember did. the Johnny Depp trial and stuff. Like he, he's a womanizer. Like he's really like the real life kind of like Tony Stark. So that appeals to a lot of people that like to put their faith yeah. on that on that kind of ideal of individual. Uh, but here it goes. There's like criticism of him. Um, the Tony Stark comparison, like it's one that I hear a lot, and um, I kind of agree. But I agree with the earlier version of Tony Stark, like the version of Tony Stark that we see in the beginning of the Iron first Iron Man movie. Yeah, he's um, very egocentric. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you can tell, he's very egocentric. Like. He knows, like, and that, that's another thing. He will be a little bit of, like a peacock, you know? Like, he knows that so right now he's at the top of his game and, like, everybody's just like, oh, I got Elon Musk, right? And this is my thing with him, though. He has such a power and grasp on people that really like technology that and, and all these technological, like, stuffs and advances and, like, looking forward to the futures. I will... I'll, I'll, I'm trying not to call them futurist because I think that is a very lame term to say people that really like science fiction. Uh, but <laughs> what, what I mean I, is I that, use that term. 
uh, yeah, but like, you know, I don't, I don't like it because it's just like, what do you mean futurist? Like all of us are futurists in a sense, you know, like all of us look to the, to the future and all of us have an idea of what the future may be. Uh, but then again, it, when, when we say futurist, people will always consider like technology and like all this science fiction stuff. But anyways, I'm going off the trails. Now, the thing with Elon Musk is that I've noticed that he has very interesting metaphysical beliefs. And one of the most interesting ones that I have heard is that we are living in a simulation. Have you heard that? Obviously you have, right? Yeah. Um, when I heard that, my simulated brain got very upset. <laughs> and I was like, I started glitching and everything. I was like, really dude, like, and, and there's a lot of people that are gonna start believing in that. And that's where I wanted to take you. What, you. what is your stance on living in a simulation and how will you relate that to a pandemic? Whoa. And the reality of losing loved ones and the reality of facing issues like like being worried about vaccines and having new uh, how do you call that new new types or new variants of viruses and like everything that we're going on to right now like wh what are your thoughts on that okay um for the second part that doesn't bother me as much because um I'm a determinist um, mm -hmm. that comes with uh, territory um these are causal factors. We think everything is caused because yeah. of something else. Yeah, okay. um, we like to think, um, or many people like to think that um, we have free will, but the universe looks pretty deterministic to me. So, in that sense, I don't have much of an objection to um, to the simulation hypothesis. Um, so you think that we live in a simulation? Well, that's the thing. Like, um, it's not something that we can know, so it's hard to put a chance uh, number onto it. Because here's the thing, if we do live in a simulation, our experience itself is simulated, right? Yeah. And everything that we could possibly test um, to know that if we live in a simulation, it's itself simulated. So we don't have any tools to look outside of our potential simulated universe. But I do think, like, what I like about that argument is that if you think of where we are right now as, as um, human beings and our t technological pro uh, progress, so you probably remember, um, did you ever play Pong? It was like that game that, you like, the whole game is just two sticks and a little ball. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like black and then just white, yeah. two white sticks and a little white ball. Yeah. Yeah, like that, that was... Just before we were born, so in the from in the eighties, right? And from there, um, in like forty years, we have like the graphics and um, the computer power that we have has developed so so far and so much that we can now simulate like massive open world games like Skyrim, yeah. Um, and to like a pretty good resolution, and you know we now even have um, VR and mm -hmm. like fully submersive uh, worlds. So if you accept, uh, accept certain assumptions, then it's not hard to see that in the next forty years, um, it's very likely that we're gonna get even better, a lot better at um, at simulating. Um, worlds and uh, universes uh, by ourselves so that like, potentially in the future um, 
with more computing power, with more resolution, um, like those worlds will become more realistic. And in a hundred, two hundred years, it's very possible that we ha we can make like complete high resolution um, replica universe types. And you know, if we made characters in there, in in within those universes, um, then you know, it's you, those characters might ask themselves the origin of their own universe, not knowing that you know they are simply. Um, simulated uh creation and if you keep going like further if you like extend to like thousands of years then it becomes really easy to see that in the future we ourselves have the potential to create simulated universes so if it's possible for us to do then there's a good probability that it already happened it killed us though now my problem with that is that is utterly familiar to the to one of the things that they accuse like for our listeners um, I, I think there's a couple of things that we have to clarify one of them is determinism it's a philosophical stance it's a philosophical sort of like uh, view on free will right the yeah. the opposite to that will be uh, correct me if I'm wrong but it's something like liberalism isn't it what's the, what the what's the opposite stance to determinism I don't recall it um uh, libertarian free will. Yeah, thank you. Libertarian free will. And these are two conflicted stands that have been existing in philosophy for a very, very, very long time. Some of the most important sort of like thinkers for that could be uh, David Hume in one side. And the other one is, what's the, other, what's the name of this guy? Um, oh, Locke. I think it's John Locke on the other side, right? Um, if I am correct, I don't remember. But uh, yeah, I highly advise uh, our listeners to check that out. And if I mess up some of the philosophers, I apologize. But coming from that, then moving a little bit into religion from my side of the thing, uh, some of you have already heard that I tend to criticize the, um, technological advances and, and technological ideology, or scientific ideology, I will call it that, mostly because of how similar it's becoming to religion. Um, the more science becomes or starts like tackling like a lot more um, complex issues, the more the, the more uh, religious it becomes. And it comes from someone that knows about religion, right? So uh, when we look at these uh, simulation kind of proposals, I, I want you to think of, of the following. And I, if you want to jump in, you, you can. But if there is a simulation, what stops the simulators from being in a simulation themselves, and so on, backwards. And then we arrive to the very, very last point in which there's a last simulator that's the only one that's truly free, and everybody else is determined by their rules or limitations of their own simulation, because then determinism falls really nicely into that. And for, for those of you, like, I don't, I don't want you to think that I'm against determinism. I'm actually a pretty determinist person, uh, too, because I fall into this Calvinistic reform theology that is incredibly deterministic, right? Um, but here it goes. If you see a parallel between who created the simulators and who created that simulator and so on until infinity, yeah. then we're falling into something very interesting, which is uh, if, we are, if we do live in a, sim in a simulation, then we have to ask ourselves the moral... Uh, and in a point, it's, it's a very complex question because then we have to ask ourselves the moral um, meaning of what living in a simulation truly is because in a simulation then... 
there is no need then for actual moral righteousness or moral standards of any kind, because then everything is already simulated and everything could be relative relative to the kind of simulation oh you're raising a finger there all right so <laughs> what can you tell me there so yeah you're right about the uh, problem of our own uh, simulators being themselves simulated uh see that's the thing when it comes to morality it's not i don't think like, i don't really see much of a problem for the simulation hypothesis either because our own sense of morality and um, what we think of moral progress or objective morality um it's all part of the simulation itself like suppose like imagine um whoever created this simulated universe created it for the purpose like as an experiment of morality so you know they want to see what how morality would develop in like human and humans um over you know ten thousand years um it would be within the parameters of the simulation itself. I'm not saying that um, morality will not exist within a simulation, but I will say that it will be truly meaningless because of the limitations that the simulation itself has. You know, like like you said, it is just an experiment. It is actually meaningless. In, in, yeah. the, in, the, in the moment that the simulator decides to turn off everything, like yeah. nothing that you actually did ever actually had any meaning or held any meaning, right? Yeah. Yeah, and like as far as we are aware, though, for example, in the case of Musk, right? Like when when he was interviewed about this, he says like, "Yeah, we're probably living in a simulation." And I'm like, "Then why are you worrying so much about going to Mars? You know, like why are you worrying so much about like green cars just to make money? Like because then it's absolutely meaningless because either the world destroys itself. Like you know, I, I honestly think that holding <laughs> that view drives you into nihilism to a point. But yeah, you were saying. See, that's like this is where I disagree with like just the general theistic perspective because there's this impulse to demand a meaning from the universe. Um, where I'll put it like this: to me, it doesn't matter what if what I do right now has some you know cosmic ripple effect um, two trillion years from now. We do like we do things, and we find purpose on things uh, simply because we have stuff to do you're right it, it is cosmically mean, meaningless um you know but if say elon musk wants to um like his fantasy is to um create mars. <laughs> yeah create a colony on mars so that you know um uh, humanity has a second option that to me is purpose like and that's what gives them meaning right um, i would actually separate those two though because something could be full of like something could be a purpose without having actual meaning because i think one of the issues here is that i, I think the word meaning encapsulates a very transcendent sort of event and I, you know what this might sound a little bit uh, interesting for you but uh I actually share your, your point of view in regards of meaning. Like, uh, and those of you that have listened to us, like you already know that I hold a very interest, a very uh, unconventional sort of uh, view on, on religion and spirituality on itself, even though I hold myself to be a Christian. Um, but I don't see things as necessarily, in essence, required to have meaning for me to do them. 
because I, I have I have done something really weird with my understanding of reality, which is if God tells me to do so, I will just simply do so. And I will be thankful for everything positive that happens because then it's a product of what God told me to do so. And if he, he told me not to do so, I will not do it. And in the, in the regards of meaning, I hold this very Buddhist kind of uh, position, which is, or like Taoist kind of position, which is, I, 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 they just go with the river, you know, like just go with the flow. Like whatever meaning it, there is, if there is actual meaning, it, I, I believe it to be so incredibly huge that it's absolutely beyond my grasp. So whatever I do, for example, me standing up in the, in the mornings to go and teach, uh, standing up from my bed and sitting down on my desk, <laughs> <laughs> to go and <laughs> to go and teach i'm like there is no point for this like all of my students are gonna die <laughs> all these kids like if i and look look at how how intense this is like if i uphold uh christian views their lives without god are absolutely meaningless because at the very end of the day they will go to hell you know what i mean like that's the most crude and most intense way of putting it but then i'm like but I don't teach them because I believe there is meaning on teaching them. I teach them because they pay me and because I try to get a good job for it. Right. And I, I love teaching. I enjoy it. You see me getting all rattled about it. and I get very angry about it. But at the same time, it's, it's not because I think they're going to change the world and they're going to make the world better because we both hold a very like interesting position on that. Mine is like, no, God is going to arrive soon and the apocalypse is going to happen and we're all going to die. <laughs> so it's just like this kind of view on it. But, but here it goes though. With the thing of the simulation, I don't understand that he has a purpose. Like he wants to go to Mars. He wants to put his face on Mars and like, I don't know, build a statue or something. And it's going to be awesome. Even if we ever go to Mars, I would like to go. You know, like I will like, yo, that would be awesome to go to Mars. Like Disneyland Mars. Imagine that. That would be, <laughs> be amazing. Um, but I'm pretty sure that Disneyland will have a Mars Disneyland there. Uh, but the thing is this though. We can do things and have purpose. Yeah. But I honestly believe that meaning escapes us. And especially if we don't look beyond our existence. Because I think our existence is so incredibly short. It's the existence of the human race is so incredibly short in comparison to the universe itself. Yeah. Now, what meaning do we actually hold, right? Like, for example, uh, look at this guy. What's his name? He's this uh, physicist. He's incredibly famous. Uh, he, he actually got a series with, uh, it's Cosmos. Oh, Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah, like, he's, he's a pop star, right? Uh, and, and this guy actually made a documentary that I really liked. I was sitting down on my couch, and I was really happy, and I was looking at Cosmos. And you know, like, the first episode or second, I think, that he goes, Joe, like, uh, if you look at a clock, and you look at the existence of things, and then you look at the very few seconds, and the very few, like, yeah. seconds, like, of the seconds or whatever, like, that's the existence of humanity. And I was just sitting on my couch eating my cake, and I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> It actually hit me really hard because I was like, what? So you're telling me that all the existence of human beings are just like nothing compared to the existence of the universe. And on top of that, I'm only like so-and-so years old and my existence is absolutely meaningless compared to the existence of humanity and so on and so on. And then that puts you into perspective. You know what I mean? Like it, it honestly becomes a thing of there is no meaning in life and it doesn't matter what we actually do. Everything is going to be destroyed eventually, right? Like I, I subscribe to a lot of uh, doomsday theories in regards of the end of the universe, uh, and, and that would be very interesting, and especially because I don't see any contradiction with them and the Bible in, in the sense of 
Like the Bible never explicitly goes like the universe is going to end up like this. It just talks about the earth, you know, and like that's something that people tends not to forget, uh, tends to forget about. Um, so again, yeah, you, you, you're saying because I'm just going really hard on this. But yeah, <laughs> sorry. I agree with pretty much more, like everything you said. Um, but like, yay, religion. My, <laughs> from my perspective, <laughs> yeah. It's like just more like of a classical existentialism position. Um, I don't know. I think we kind of talked about this before, where we we project meaning into stuff. And um, every time, like every time I hear someone ask, like, "What's the meaning of life or meaning of the universe?" It's like a really annoying question for me because, like, it's a question that assumes uh, meaning, assumes there has to be something transcendental, like you said. Even if there is or there's not, like it, that's one of those questions that you know we can't know. So for me, the focus would be to um, create meaning, or you know, if you make the distinction between purpose and meaning, find purpose, work on that. Yeah, like forget about meaning and focus on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a very stoic um, position as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Stoics had um, had this phrase, um, "memento mori." Which, oh yeah, um, yeah. It, it means remember death. Death puts you into perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, you are supposed to live with that in mind, and that's how you derive purpose. Um, now, for the end of the universe, um, I don't know. Like since I was little, I always liked. Uh, I always liked thinking about the apocalypse and the end of the world. Um, <laughs> you're sitting there in kindergarten and like just yeah, growing like, the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would go like sit in church. And I, yeah, would, I remember. It doesn't matter what they were, uh, what the sermon was about. I'd always be reading um, apocalypse or uh, revelations, and um, or looking at the maps. Like that's all I did at church. So yeah, I used to think about it like that all the time. And recently, I've been reading and listening to some stuff and all the different theories. Um, but there's this one theory. And uh, did did you ever watch Futurama? Of course, yes. Oh no! Don't, don't tell me. I, I, we actually mentioned that uh, the, that we're living on the back of Bender. <laughs> no, we, um, we did talk about that. Yeah. No, but there's an episode where um, they get in the time machine and they go all the way to the future, to like the very end of the universe, and then it restarts again all over. Did you ever see that? No, I haven't. So it's it's a really cool episode. It's one of the, it's probably one of my favorite ones. Uh, but yeah, like and like generally, I hate um, cyclical um, thinking. It's like yeah, it, it's something that really um, even in history. Yeah, oh, especially in history. That's oh, the okay. worst one. Um, That's the worst one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> but no, yeah. there is this theory. It's not exactly like the Futurama one, but it's this uh, theory. Um, uh, it's it's from the physicist uh, Roger Penrose. Uh, he developed it, um, and it's basically that the universe will continue to expand, and as it expands, entropy uh, will increase, and things break down. Uh, atoms will break down and particles break down and in the very distant future the universe will reach a state of low energy um, 
and you know there there will be nothing around except photons. Now, um, photons um, they don't have mass, and they are able to travel at the speed of light. Um, you know, so if a photon had experience, um, it would experience um, time as infinity. Um, in a moment, it would experience all infinity in one moment, and it could experience the expanse, the entire expanse of the universe in one moment, in an instant. And, um, you know, uh, from a photon's perspective, all of the universe and um, infinity are shrunken down to an instant, um, and somehow, like, um, he comes up uh, with uh, this idea that the photon breaks uh, the barrier of infinity and um, it emerges somewhere where there's the conditions are similar to the uh, Big Bang, uh, you know, where in the Big Bang all of um, the universe was condensed, it, it was condensed to a point um, where it was everything was really dense high energy and um, things are you know particles are moving at the near the speed of light um, because they're high energy and um, now a photon somehow emerges through it, into this and you know it experiences another big bang and you know, then it goes through the whole evolution of the um, universe, and it um, you know it, it repeats that process basically um, for infinity. Um, and like that's sort of how I understand it. I'll link to a video um, that explains it properly. Um, so they move to the point where they transcend all the existence until there's the only thing that they're existing. And because they're existing, they they cause to a point another Big Bang. Yeah. I, uh, they restart the whole thing. Yeah, I, did, like, um, I don't know exactly the terminology that he uses. That's why I was like trying to think. It's not, they don't cause it, they don't create it. We're not uh, physicists. Uh, yeah, but yeah, and this is pretty serious physics now because that's um, again like like it's yeah. it's very experimental. Like they're they're yeah. just beginning to make um, experiments that test uh, to see if there's any residue from any previous existing universes. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I like that theory because um, it's like it. It's a cyclical universe type, but it's like so. Even like even if our universe dies, like it still gives me a little bit of hope that. Okay, now my question here is this though, and where is the simulation theory comes from within that? Oh, Wouldn't the simulation theory will be absolutely unnecessary if the universe pops itself into being? Because that's that's the sort of thing. Like, and we go back to we go back to the mask here. I think people that hold that level of fame is well look here they should be very careful with what they say you know um especially when they are out of their league um 
in, in kind of like the topics that they're discussing. Yeah, yeah. well, this is like, you hear Elon Musk is, um, it's not his own theory. Um, yes, of course. Yeah. He's just saying something he heard or he read somewhere. Yeah, the, no, there's this other philosopher called um, Nick Bostrom. He proposed uh, this hypothesis as a philosophical um, thought experiment. Um, and like a lot of people picked it up from him. Um, and that's why Elon Musk uh, thinks about it. If you, if you hear um, Nick Bostrom explain it, um, he makes a pretty like, he, like he might even convince you. Like he's uh, he makes a pretty good argument. Um, oh, I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, Next episode is not the cynic and the monk is the cynic and the person that believes in simulations. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but um, that's the thing about this, the simulation hypothesis. So it's like, in theory, like the simulation could have started yesterday, right? Um, but here it goes. Though. I, I want to put this on the table and you can keep talking about simulations then. Then. I will just read it really fast. It says the Oxford team checked by asking what it will be, what it will take to construct a computer simulation powerful enough to exhibit quantum many body effects. For those uninitiated in quantum speculation, that just refers to the physical problems requiring large amounts of interactive particles. Especially, they tested the anomaly known as the quantum hole effect using the technique called quantum Monte Carlo. And then it goes, they realized that. To accurately model quantum phenomena occurring in metals, a simulation needs to be extremely complex. The complexity increases exponentially as the number of particles required to full bore simulation grow. The more, the, well, the larger the simulation, the greater the computing power required. In short, it was unworkable. It's physically impossible that they only attempted the modeling a portion of the physical universe. What, what they're pointing at towards here is that we don't have enough energy in the universe to run a simulation of the level that is necessary to simulate the universe itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that would be our universe. So if the universe itself is simulated, we have no reason to expect that, right? We would not be running the simulation of ourselves. Like, um, we don't know what what the universe or looks like um, for the people that are simulating our universe. Um, they might have the resources and uh, the full computational power to do so. I'm feeling what people feel when they talk to religious people. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, that's the thing about, yeah. Yeah, I agree, like, that's, the thing about um, that's the thing about the simulation hypothesis. It's like- You can go infinite. Yeah, it's a, it, I think it's, um, it's a, a technologist version of um, deism. Like I said at the beginning, you know, like that, that's why, like everywhere where I see a small religion coming out, my uh, inside Templar just triggers and I'm like, heretics, <laughs> not so much, bro. but uh, when I see that, I'm like, oh, this sounds a lot like religion. And I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Science points us towards complexities in the universe that we honestly are not fully educated to truly understand because even the people that are completely educated on these fields are baffled between before that, right? Like they're just like, what? Like this is just too much, right? And a lot of them fall back into, well, God did it in that sense. A lot of scientists go back to the, well, there must be a God because this seems incredibly perfect. And a lot of them go like, no, there is no God because this seems too perfect to need a God 
actually to like trigger or whatever, right? Like, so what happens with this is that I feel that there is a certain amount of the populace that are starting to become religious about it. And what I mean by that is that we're moving away from the objectivity of science of being like, this is what we can actually prove. And we're moving into, perhaps we are living into a simulation and then we're moving into people saying, yeah, we're living in a simulation, but there is no way to prove it. The simulation hypothesis, it's um, like, I think um, most people would accept that it's not a scientific theory. It's but it sounds scientific and that's what worries me though. Yeah, but like, it, like Nick Bostrom, he's not a physicist, he's a philosopher. So it's, yeah. it's a philosophical thought experiment. And like, most people would like agreed, like I probably even even Elon Musk would say that, you know, it's not something that we can test. If we can't test it, then it's not scientific. Um, yeah. And then it's game over. Like if we test it and it actually turns out that there is a simulation, then yeah. all questions in humanity and the existence of humanity comes down to how do we escape it? Right? Like Everything else becomes second plane. It's just there's like a, how do we escape the simulation, <laughs> like Matrix. Yeah, no, there's a there's a theory on the simulation hypothesis that it's like it basically is like do we want to escape it? No, do like do we want to show that we know it's a simulation? Because if you know if like we're saying if it's an experiment, then when the when the people you're doing the oh, experiment. Yeah on like notice yeah and they notice it then it's time to end the experiment so let's <laughs> basically <laughs> just keep acting normal <laughs> yes just keep <laughs> don't acting. say anything <laughs> just like, <laughs> i'm here alone in my my everything just like going to work but and yeah, everybody yeah. starts being very positive or everything is just like oh my god i love my job this is like why are they so yeah. positive now <laughs> it's like you see the whole universe glitching yeah, pretty much. Everything it's everything it's normal. <laughs> it's like oh that that always what like I don't know like you see like a random whale just moving above you like a glitch and it's like oh that was always there. It's that, just that, like oh look it's Steve again. <laughs> just that's like, how whales work. Yeah, <laughs> science and like we modify science to make sense of the glitches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We just want to drag this out as long as possible. Oh, that would be hilarious. Um, that would actually be a very nice episode for like a season finale of Rick and Morty or something like that. Um, <laughs> they're just dragging things out. Um, <laughs> have you seen that episode where, they, where like recreates this tiny verse that he uses to generate electricity for his like the motor of his um, oh, no. ship? It's a very interesting one because he's like, how do I produce energy infinitely? Okay, I'm going to create this tiny verse of people and life and whatever. I'm going to go down and tell them I'm their God and that I want them to produce (laughs) energy because that pleases me. And they're going to do that. And they start doing that. But they start growing as a society and they they reach this technological level where they're like, yo, we don't have to produce energy like that. We can do it like this and we can change the whole thing. So he goes down because his, his motor stops working. And he's like, yo, what are you guys doing? And he's like, oh, we found a new way to produce energy. I hope that pleases us. This is you. And he's like, and I'm going to tell you how. Like, he meets the, like, the top scientists of that civilization. And this guy goes like, yo, I created this tiny verse. 
within this thing, and I went down there and I told them I was their god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's and, wait, 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 it gets better though. It gets better though. They go down to that place and then they meet this other guy, and then for some reason I don't remember why he figures out that that these two guys are, are doing the exact same thing that he's doing because he's also yeah. doing it, and he's like. So you're telling me I'm just a gener uh, like a generated thing to produce electricity, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And he's like, and I skipped my father's funeral because of that, and then he just commits suicide, and they start fighting each other, and it just ca chaos everywhere. But yeah, pretty much that could be it, right? Like generations within generations yeah. of like simulations and stuff. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's basically the simulation hypothesis. <laughs> yeah, basically. And like, I don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's just getting very interesting, and especially in these these points where philosophy crosses over with like science. And now, for example, and now we move into a very interesting thing because we, I think, we went cosmic out of nowhere, right? We were like, "What do you think about Elon Musk?" We ended up talking about the end of the universe. <laughs> but if we go down a couple of philosophical steps and we start observing our perceived perceived reality and like everything that's going on around us. I think one of the, the, the biggest issues that we have right now, regardless if this is or not a simulation, it's we we have very ethical and like moral challenges ahead of us, regardless if it is or not, because of because we decided to live in a society, and one of them, uh, and I wanted to bring the attention of everybody to this thing. What, what what are your thoughts on what happened to the police officer that killed um, Floyd, George Floyd? Um, yeah, um, he was convicted and found guilty of all uh, charges. Um, all of them, yes, absolutely. And uh, he was found guilty on what, like a couple of minutes, right? Yeah, like there was, um, they were Very actually pretty surprised. Yeah, um, they were pretty surprised because, um, like it was really quick. Um, police brutality, it's something that it's been going on for like decades. Like corruption and police brutality, it's not new. Um, and they I'm not saying it doesn't happen anywhere else, but it's mostly an American problem. It happens here in Canada too, and I know it happens in Mexico often. Um, oh, it never happens here though. Well, you, they just yeah. cops. They just uh, I, I don't. <laughs> it never happens in Mexico. What happens in Mexico is that someone causes problems and then they disappear, and yeah. we don't know where they go. Yeah, <laughs> we, we never see them again. Um, but yeah, like. Uh, for the most part, like, um, no, this is like pretty basically a daily thing that happens with the, with the police in the U.S. Have you heard those news um, channels and like, um, have you read those articles that say that George Floyd was very high and very like drunk during yeah. that arrest and that that was what actually caused his death? Yeah, like that's what I that's what I heard too. But um, and I like I I can understand like that um. Uh, I've read people say that he would have died anyway because the amount of drugs in his system. I don't think that's really relevant. The cop still had his his knee on his neck for like eight but, minutes. But he um, was though, like according to some of the videos that were shown during the case, and like the videos were not released to the public, he didn't have his knee on, on the neck. He had like his knee on, on the back. And that eventually, like, because of the viewer, they were, they were facing the camera because, like, the video that, that we saw was recorded by someone else, right? Yeah. Like, it was not the police video or the, the official one. Uh, the view completely altered where he was had placed his knee or something like that. Well, that's what I heard. Like, no, I I'm think not um, saying anything on that. 
And I, I was just like, that's been interesting. No, I think it was um, it was actually on his neck because um, if you watch the video, he keeps moving it, and he kind of like like when George Floyd like tries to move his head up, like he pushes it down. So like you can tell that it is on his neck because like his head ha is like hitting the pavement every time he pushes it down. Okay, um, okay, I see, I see, yeah, yeah, I see the picture here. Yeah, all right, take that back. No, they when they were saying like there's even video of the body cam from the police, um, and you know you can they can hear uh, George Floyd saying he couldn't breathe, but that was before he got even arrested when he was inside the police car. Okay. So like you know it was um he was already having issues you know probably with addition of the drugs in his system, but that's the thing. Uh, I'm go I'll go back to like none of that is relevant because he had his uh knee on his neck for like eight minutes. Um like the guy was dead and he still had his knee on his neck. Got to he was um how, there is a word for that. Uh careless. He was careless about the, the force that he was applying. Yeah, it got to the point where like like the guy is not even resisting anymore. He's dead. Yeah, and I'm reading that he also had like heart diseases and stuff. Like he yeah. had issues already. Yeah, like I said, um, there was. It's probably it's probably likely that he would have died anyway. But when the cop is that careless, it is just to punish him because you know his actions are they're they're the catalyst for what what results in death. Of course, yeah, yeah. No, and I agree. Um, because I like I I heard to a lot of different things on that and as you were saying at the beginning um police brutality is an awful thing that happens yeah and it happens i, I don't know if we agree here but i hope we do but i think i honestly think that it happens because of a lot of factors and a lot of those factors are human factors in the sense that it's not because the police is evil it's not because uh, there is no criminals It's, it's because there's so many uh, variables in it. Like something that people have to, to remember is that when a police has to use force to restrain somebody, they have engaged in combat. Yeah. And anybody that engages in combat, even in the UFC, even in like professional fighting sports, they know that in any moment something could happen and you can actually kill the person and they're trained fighters you know and when we're talking about a trained fighter like a police officer and, and in america police officers are like around like 180 um one one meter and 80 something or like two meters or something um and when they fight someone that it's almost my size that is half of that almost uh They, 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 there's obviously like an equivalent amount of, of response that they're going to to see like for example i've seen a um, a video where there was this old lady on her car and she was like, oh, obviously she was like misbehaving and she was giving attitude to the police officer and like, she was being really bad. Like, she was not cooperating at all, right? So a police officer told her like, I need you to get out of the car and, and you're under arrest because you are so and so and so. And she was like, I'm not gonna do it. But she was like an older lady. And then he just grabbed her and then just threw her out of the car, like nothing. Like, like she didn't wait at anything. She just threw her on the floor and then she handcuffed her. But I'm like, That's incredibly dangerous because that's an old lady. Like the, the lady was around like, what, like 60? Yeah. Like, honestly, if, if any of us grab a lady and do that to her, <laughs> she could die. Like yeah. th there's a huge risk for that. Um, 
But then again, like, police brutality is a very, and, and I will use this word because I think it's, it's under, it's, it should be used when talking about police brutality, but it's an interesting social phenomenon because I, I think it's not so easily said that it is simply something evil that evil do people do because that would be like very narrow and I wouldn't allow us to understand that. It, what happened to Floyd? Um, I, because I, I heard some of the things about it. Like I heard that Floyd had been convicted of different crimes and stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, that he was convicted of armed robbery, I think, and that he was using drugs, uh, that he was convicted for some other stuff, I don't remember. And then you will then think that when someone is going to be placed under arrest, they normally check out who this guy is, right? Yeah. They'll be like, yo, like, who's this guy? Like, we have to put him under arrest. And then they That's find out good. all of this, and they're like, oh, he has a record. he's violent. Yeah, if he has a record, yeah, they'll be. Then, then you get a lot more nervous. Yeah, yeah, you get a lot more nervous as a police officer, and and that that's something that I heard that was like police officers norm, normally freaked out, and they're like, "Yo, I don't want to die," so they decide to kill the person, right? And again, I'm not justifying police brutality at all, yeah. but I'm just saying that there is such a big challenges that are raised by police brutality in the terms of society. That we really have to start asking, like, what can we truly do to not only reduce police brutality, but um, solve the issues that they it represents? Because I, I'll be honest, like, it's not about, it's not all about race, right? It's not like this white police officer wanted to kill that African American. It's not so much that. And I feel that this whole case got so political, so incredibly political that they were like, it was. It was like uh, Bill Cosby all over again, right? Like they were like, "Yo, he has to go to jail because he he did it," and and it was not so much of what he did. It was like this is a black man doing this to a white lady, yeah. right? Um, and and in this part, it was like the backwards thing. Obviously, there's different circumstances. Like, yeah, of course. Did you hear recently that there was um just like yesterday, I think, um a cop shot uh, this girl. Um, she was like, yes, yes, I. I and uh but i was I that. yeah she was trying to stab another girl she had like a knife and was like yeah he saved the life of the other yeah, girl by, shot her. by shooting the other one right yeah he shot her saved the life of the other girl um and killed the other one, I think. Yeah, and killed the other one the, the, the one with the knife but like you know now it's this um massive uh thing because of the tensions that are with around yeah. police brutality and uh violence with uh of cops especially against like black people um yeah do you see the the tweeters from lebron james no Le lebron james actually went like yo you're next and he put the picture of the police officer yeah. and, and then he deleted it because everybody was just like be like what's wrong with you like again yeah. the circumstances changed so much yeah. that there's a lot of people that like want to jump on the police brutality um like aspect and like they think this is well this was like a racially motivated thing you know at the same time if you're the girl that was getting stabbed you know you're happy that 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 chick's dead um those situations make it really hard to like talk about it like in general because there's always like those aspects that where it might be 50 50 um you know it's like um you know she did have a gun or she did have a knife what's reasonably justified at that time for a police to do it's gonna vary there's a lot of 
Yeah. Yeah, it, there's a lot of more gray areas on 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 the police job per se because again like I, I think and this is the interesting thing like I see what happened to this the first police officer with George Floyd. Yeah. And he was brutally like persecuted, you know like if the outcome of the trial was another yeah. like he was found innocent or it wasn't that severe people will have riot like you know yeah. like it would have been insane and i think that the authorities knew that right so they were like i'm sorry dude but like it's time to actually like let the hammer down because that's what's going to have to happen regardless yeah. if we what we believe right and now this other police officer now he is in a position in which he could be the next victim of this upheaval of emotion. Yeah. But he was doing the right thing. But then he, again, we could argue that he was overly violent towards this other woman. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. Um, like it's one of those um, situations where like people want to imagine uh, different factors for different outcomes. Yeah. Like, I think you're right. Like, it's stuff like that that fuels uh, people's emotions and the outrage. Like, they don't stop to think critically of the options that were available to the cop at the time. Um, now, yes, of course. In the George Floyd case, like I said, um, he was excessive. Like, uh, and like, he himself was not being critical and thinking of what his actions good cause. I also agree, like I said already, I think um, that was the right call. Um, and like, that's what I expected would happen. Um, but at the same time, like we said, it was really fast. So to me, it suggests, and you know, it's pure speculation, but, you know, I think it's justified to um, say that the jury was had a, was already leaning one way. Yeah. You know, before they even went to discuss they had a certain conviction of what would happen. I think for years to come, again, like, I don't think that what happened, I don't think the sentence to the police officer solved anything. It only created a bigger problem. Um, and allow me to explain that. I, I agree with you. I think it was the right thing to do. At the very end of the day, regardless of the situation, he killed a person, right? And, uh, I think I have discussed that before here. Like, I honestly believe that anybody that kills somebody, regardless of the situation, should be sentenced to some kind of uh, a punishment because killing goes against Christian ethics uh, in that sense. Yeah. But um, obviously a lot of things have to be considered for that punishment. But anyways, but here it goes though. I think that because of the circumstances and how things develop, uh, and how emotional people were about the killings of George Floyd. And now what has happened to the new uh, police officer that has placed himself in a situation that could be, and so people will try to make it something similar. I think has created a dangerous precedent for police officers and for law enforcement in general, right? Because then... There, then there comes the option where a lot of police officers are going to be like, you know what, I don't want to go and uh, answer to this phone, to this like call. Yeah. I, I don't want to to go, like, for example, imagine that two white police officers are just doing their rounds about and, and then just, like, they hear this, this black man arm in an upso, or like, sorry, in an upso, in a, like some random Chinese store. They'll be like, you know what, I don't want to go. 
because if I stop him and we, we have to shoot him and he dies or whatever, yeah. they're going to blame us and they're going to send us to jail and we were doing our job. So this is really dangerous president where it limits a lot more the, the responses of police officers. And it becomes like, if you ask me, imagine if both of us were police officers and because of what's going into Floyd, would you go around black communities now trying to stop anybody that is doing a crime? That would be insane, right? Like, it would be like so dangerous for us. It is already dangerous, right? Yeah. Because we're police officers and in, in, in African-American communities where people don't like police officers normally, um, they have a very bad opinion of them. Uh, they have reasons for that, obviously. But it is dangerous already. And now because of what happened to Floyd, I think it will be a lot more dangerous now. It, it really brings this challenge of how are we going to do our job, right? How are we going to answer the things? And it, it will bring a very interesting standard of behavior, especially because we will have to always answer to the issues of, well, what if I'm seen as the bad guy when I'm doing quotation marks the right thing by serving and protecting, you know what I mean? Um, how can I truly serve and protect under these new circumstances? Because that's something that I think people haven't really considered that, yes, we did it. Like we got the evil man and we sent them to jail. Now, every single police officer who end up in a similar situation, regardless if they did it on purpose or they did it not on purpose or regardless if they did it for a good reason or not. Like I've heard, I've heard similar uh, sentiments about police. Like if they get that call, then like, you know, do they go and get involved or not? But like, to me, like that's silly because um, it's their job. Like that's what they signed up to do. Right. And they knew that going into those situations, there's always that potential for um, deadly violence. To me, it's it would be cowardly for them to just like not do their jobs as they like do what they're paid to do because um, they fear what might happen. To me, like that just signals um, a lack of confidence in their training, and I think that's where um, that's where the root of most of these problems are, where cops don't really have training in actually dealing with people and tactics of the uh, de-escalation like they don't even know how to fight in some cases like they should have constant training it with various degrees not just with like gun training or um like fighting training but also like psychological training and um, make them fully equipped to go into all these different situations and also give them like a certain amount of fighting experience, like professional fighting experience, so that they are comfortable using their body instead of relying on weapons. Because I think that's like that's what happens a lot of time. It's like they see something that might get out of hand, so they automatically reach for the stronger solution, like they pull out the gun um, because like like that ends it, right? But yeah, like I, I like I don't see many cops in it, like they're not even interested in doing that because like. But, but here it was though. Oh, wait, wait, I'm gonna jump there a little bit because uh, I think we, I think we are honestly forgetting that even though they have guns, there's still people, and what there's still people, and what I mean by that is they're still afraid. You know, like that. I think 
we need to understand that what, co what a cop really is, is a, a person with a gun that is told, you have to go out there and protect other people. Um, that's pretty much it, right? Like, and the, the training and like the guns that they use or the uniform, the, the uniform it's just like a, a product of their circumstances where they perform their job, right? But at, at the same time, it's just like, like, I don't think it's silly, for example, that some cops are going to be like, you know what, I'm not going to go. Because I honestly think that selfishness will overthrow duty in that sense. And they'll be like, I don't want to do it. Like, they could be selfish. And that part that you're saying that they will feel that they're being victimized, I think it will hit really hard a lot of cops, especially the bad apples in the, the police force, right? And, and I honestly think that there is a lot of bad apples in the police, hey, force, uh, the police force. Think of a fire, firefighter, right? Um, yeah. Like probably the most heroic images that we've seen in recent memory are those of the firefighters going into the World Trade Center when mm -hmm. it's like falling down, everything's on fire. But, you know, you see there's like videos of like firefighters going in line, like walking into the into these buildings. They're throwing away all instinct. Um you know, I'm pretty sure most of them are afraid, but like, it's their job. Like, that's what they signed up to do. Yeah. So if a cop is like, is, if a cop is sitting in his car and he's like, like, I got a call about uh, domestic um, disturbance and the records show that this guy has a history of violence and he is black. So I'm not going to go because I don't want to be on the news. Then that to me is like, cowardly that's that's your job like you're supposed to go in there uh, and that's precisely my point I, I i believe that because of the situation a lot of them are going to be uh, it's going to bring out a lot of the cowardness on a lot of police officers yeah. uh, because I, I honestly hold the fact that all these so-called noble jobs like firefighting and like police officers and even medics for example doctors and whatever I don't hold them as noble individuals that are there to really fulfill their duty. You know what I mean? Like I understand them as human beings that are flawed, that with the correct incentives may actually betray everything that they believe in and opt for something else. Right. And in particular, the police officers, especially because you're comparing them to firefighters. I think one of the main differences between police officers and firefighters will be that police officers normally do not work as a full force. They're not a full group of people. Mm -hmm. They work as individuals. Uh, they, no, they work as pairs and individuals. They're just like chilling around, walking around, and then they're surrounded by three guys, right? Yeah. And these three guys are just like willing to hurt them. And some of them are actually, and to the respect of all of them, some of them are going to stand and fight, you know? Yeah. And that, that's very admirable. But others, like the police officer you mentioned, are just going to be like, nope. And they just run away. And, and why are they going to run away? Is that, should, should that be really seen as something uh, incorrect? Well, because of the nature of the job, we see it as incorrect, as something that should not be uh, replicated. But at the same time, we're forgetting that that's just a human being being afraid of the circumstances, right? For example... And like firefighters, in, in the other case, they're just a bunch of people. And you know how strong uh, mob psychology, group psychology is. It actually manages to overthrow instinct and the, the instinct of self-preservation. Self That's why we are able to fight in the army. Like the, the army, like again, if you were to compare soldiers 
with police officers, there will be a huge difference there. Because again, police officers, even though they become to a force, they work as individuals normally. And they face things in groups of two or three at most. Oh. But armies work on their own specific um, sort of like set of instructions. So I don't know, like I honestly think that cases like this are going to set a precedent where a lot of more people are going to bring out their selfishness in regards to their job. And it's going to show a lot. I'm not saying it was incorrect, though. <laughs> not, not at all, though. I'm just feel like thinking a little bit about what is going to happen next, right? Like, because what happened, happened, right? Like, I'm saying if it was correct or incorrect really doesn't add to anything because it already happened, right? Like, yeah. the police officer killed somebody and he was sentenced to, to prison. And that happened and that was correct because that was the sentence that was carried out. But then again, we, we think a little bit about the future and we say, and now how is the police office, like the police force going to react, right? And I honestly think that a lot of police officers are going to become a little bit selfish in that sense, at least as a protest, you know, to what happened to some other, I don't know, friends or whatever. Yeah. They'll be like, I'm not going to do it. And, and that's going to bring out a very interesting debate within the police stations, which is going to be like, yo, we have a job to do and people are not going to want to do it. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's not so much on that yeah, like, sense of they're going to fulfill their duty. Yeah, like, I understand um, what you're saying. Um, to me, it's just, um, it's an abandonment of their... It is, um, yes, um, I, and I agree. Um, you know, so at that point, like, if you're not going to do your job, um, then they should just quit or be fired. Yeah. Because, like, they're, they're useless. They're costing people money. And... You know, that's that's the type of cop that we don't want, right? Like, if you're only going to do policing, you know, a certain way or whatever is comfortable for for them, then, you know, that's not that's not the job and they, should, they shouldn't be cops. And I agree, though. But I think that's pretty much some of the questions that are going to come over, right? Yeah. Like, how, like, it's, I don't know, like, I'm honestly very... Um, interested on the results or the effects that this is going to have with the police forces, right? Because it's going to bring them to question like, who are, who out of all of these police officers are here because of a true sense of duty? And some other ones are just here because of family tradition, because of whatever, like, respect or social status that they might get. Like, uh, and who are here because they're literally, they just want to oppress others, right? Like, you know, it's going to be quite interesting the effects that it's going to cause, cause are going to be interesting. And that's why I say you set out the dangerous precedent because at the same time, I think it's going to cause a lot of bad police officers to start reacting like that because before they will be just like, I'm just going to go and I'm not, I know the law protected me and I don't care. And even just by being there, even if they were doing their job incorrectly, they had to a point a positive effect, which was, you see me come over here and intimidate you, and you're intimidated, so you sort of like calm down. And that is a very interesting argument from force, you know, like you have the force to intimidate others and force them into doing something. But then again, by them not even wanting to do so, because now they just, because of their own selfish reasons, they, they're quitting their job, then it becomes another very interesting situation though. Like, again, like I'm not advocating in favor of police officers. Uh, I'm just, very intrigued of what may happen, right, after George Floyd, especially, like, I, I'm going to be following this other police officer, the one that shot the, the girl, because yeah. 
it's going to be interesting to see how the public is going to react. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, though. It's, it's not, it shouldn't be up to individuals. It needs to be like full police yeah. department. You know, yeah, like, like, I think people should now really press instead of going and start like hunting police officers when they do their job incorrectly. Now the, the focus of individuals should be like, now we have this precedent where we can actually send to jail police officers that do their job incorrectly. But now we have to press police stations and press the government to finance their police uh, departments yeah. or cl close them down, right? And start new ones. Because yeah. that's, that's the, the root of the issue, right? Like, again, I, I feel that the issue was so incredibly political that people really forgot what it was about. It was not about this officer and these men that died. It was about a full year tradition of police departments not being or not living up to the standard of what policing means, right? So it's quite interesting, though. Um, I think that's right because um, you know there's the opposite response, which is to defund the police. Yeah, and like they want to abolish police. Obviously, that's um, that's nonsense. I think um, you know there are alternatives, um, and we should be forward thinking and looking for actual solutions it is possible to get to um, a more sensible approach to policing and you know we know it is possible because there's other countries that do it um, yeah. uh, you know places like britain and france and uh germany you know you don't hear about cops you know randomly shooting people like that it happens but not every day it's not a common thing so we know it's possible um and uh we just need to make it happen pretty much um uh, i think we discussed a lot of different topics in this episode uh, we went from the destruction of the universe to simulations to police brutality uh we talked about COVID as we always do um uh, again it's our stance on things and if you notice we're not really polarizing it. We're trying to be as sensible as possible. We're just presenting all different views as they come to us, um, or at least the, the views that they come to us, right? And yeah, the police brutality is a terrible thing. Um, and the challenges that it represents for society are incredibly big. And I think you actually mentioned something very important. There's other countries that are already doing it, right? They're already uh, go, moving forward. So we should emulate other countries on, on the positive things, right? Uh, and if this is a simulation, we should just add like a copy and paste and just <laughs> replace it everything and just literally like copy them if it's necessary.